Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Monday morning. Apologies for not having any instant reaction or anything like that. Uh, after the big win over Illinois, I've been on the road. Uh, I'm actually doing this podcast from a uh, an office in my wife's aunt and uncle's house in Gulfport, Mississippi. So I spent Saturday driving from Des Moines to Memphis, spent Sunday driving uh, the rest of the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And I'm just now able to uh, set up my podcast equipment and do a do a show for you. That being said, I do have my equipment here. I do plan to do an opposition research podcast this week, previewing the Nebraska game, and do plan to do something Friday afternoon after hopefully a win over Nebraska in the Black Friday game in the season regular season finale. Uh, but we got plenty of games left. Uh, we'll do a quick recap of uh, of the game against Illinois, and we'll talk a little bit more about the the big picture stuff going on because there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, with this Iowa Hawkeye football team, and it really feels like, um, you know, it was more than just a win in a lot of ways on Saturday. Uh, Emotionally, uh, you know, being senior day, being uh, the Ferentz family in Kinnick Stadium on the sideline for the last time together, uh, being Brian and and Kirk. Obviously, the clinching of the Big Ten West championship at home on that field, uh, something they were not able to do last year against in uh, Nebraska in that final game uh, and to be able to do it in a season as full of adversity as this one has been it's really been remarkable we're going to talk about all of that uh, but did want to talk about the game itself on Saturday and and don't want to go too deep here I know a lot of people have already um, you know discussed this game and and kind of moved on to, to some extent but you know you have to say the offense has has you know, turned a corner might be too strong. Uh, certainly hasn't like come alive to any, to, you know, to, again, I don't want to put too much on it. I don't want to speak hyperbolically about an offense that's still an average offense, but uh, an Iowa team with an average offense can do a lot of really good things, uh, like win nine games with one to go, like win the division and be slotted for the Big Ten championship game before almost anybody else is slotted for their their conference championship games, right? Iowa still awaits the winner this weekend of Michigan-Ohio State to see who they'll play in Indianapolis next week. And, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with the division that Iowa plays in. But the bottom line is you, you play the teams in front of you, and Iowa has done that, and they've beaten nine of the 11 teams. And, and you could argue uh, that they should have won a 10th game already as well. Uh, but a 15-13 win... In what at times was kind of a frustrating game, but um, ultimately Iowa did what it, ha- it had to do, and and that's kind of the story of this season, the story of the last few years, really the story of the Ferentz era, is Iowa finding a way against all odds. Uh, the defense was very good again, but not great in the first half. Gave up some some points and some yards, and um, it really kind of felt like okay, this offense is going to have to find something here in order to uh, to win this game, and, and they did, with Caleb Johnson breaking that 30-yard touchdown run late in the fourth quarter uh, to, to not seal the deal, but to put Iowa ahead because the blocked field goal, or the blocked extra point, rather, uh, left the door open a little bit for Illinois, but the, the defense sealed the deal, as they've been known to do, as they often do. Deacon Hill is improving each week. And what it says about him and his character that he's been able to withstand the heat 
to come into a situation that he probably never expected to come into. I mean, he was committed to Fordham in the offseason. Even when he committed to Iowa, I can't imagine he thought he was going to be number two on the depth chart. Certainly never thought he'd spend the majority of the season as the starter and didn't play well for a few games. I mean, even in that initial game against Utah State, when he came in late, it was clear, oh, this guy's not quite ready. He's not quite there. And yet, three weeks later, four weeks later, early in that Michigan State game, he's thrown into, okay, here, go do this. Go be the guy. Oh, by the way, your running backs are dinged up and you're not going to have the full compliment for much of the season. Oh, by the way, the offensive line is still trying to figure it out. They're going to be dinged up. They're, it's going to be a bit of a shuffle at the offensive line. You had already lost Luke Lachey, your all-world tight end, who's going to be an NFL player. Deacon leaned hard on Eric All until he was lost to injury for the season. Deacon Hill was dealt a, an interesting deck of cards and didn't play well for a while and could have hung his head but never did. I've always appreciated how he handled himself uh, in the media and seemingly outside of the media. It's clear this team believed in him. It's clear his coaches believed in him and that he believed in himself. And I mentioned this last week a couple of times, but Kirk Ferentz said after that, win over Rutgers, you can't microwave these things, right? The, the only way to improve at this level is to show up every day and to do the work and to put in the work and to, you know, keep your head up and, and keep stepping forward. And Deacon Hill has done that. And now we've seen for three games in a row, steady improvement. The offense was able to move the ball against Northwestern. They weren't able to score much in that first half and, and, really the entire game. They haven't scored a lot, but they were able to move the ball against Northwestern, and that felt like an improvement. The second half against Rutgers, Deacon Hill looked comfortable at times. I mean, he completed eight or nine straight passes at one point. And again, even though they didn't put up a ton of points, 22, it seemed like, okay, they're they're on the right track here. And they had built up some momentum. And one of the big questions coming into this game against Illinois was, is that real? Is that momentum going to carry over? And again, despite not putting up a ton of points, it was clear that this offense is moving forward. It was clear that Caleb Brown has clicked in this offense and that Deacon Hill trusts him now. Addison Estranga, who I think coming into the year was probably the fourth string tight end, maybe third has become the go-to guy, has become one of these Iowa tight ends who, again, isn't putting up gaudy numbers, but is doing what Iowa tight ends do, catching balls, moving the chains, making tough catches. That, that catch and throw into the end zone for the first touchdown was fantastic. And so it's just guys stepping up. And Deacon Hill is one of those guys, and you have to take your hat off to him. He was put into a really tough situation, and he has come through. And he's played well. Again, Caleb Brown and and how, how it clicked the last couple of weeks, you're really starting to see what he could become in this offense, what kind of a role he'll play in this offense over the next couple of seasons. And that's exciting. We're seeing the player. We're seeing the four or five-star guy that went to Ohio State out of, out of high school. 
Nico Ragagnini had a fantastic catch uh, in that final drive or the you know the touchdown drive to to put Iowa ahead to move the chains. He had five catches for 46 yards. He's had a nice couple of couple of games here. Again, as Deacon Hill has become more comfortable, as he's found a changeup to go with that fastball, as he's found his footwork, found his poise in the pocket. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over uh, in this game where a few weeks ago that, that seemed unfathomable. Seth Anderson with a couple of nice catches. But yeah, Caleb Brown had seven catches for 71 yards. That's good. In an, I mean, this is an Iowa team that has won games this season in the Big Ten without a wide receiver catching a ball. And so the improvement is there. You have to squint a little bit, maybe. You can't just look at the headline. You can't just look at the final score. But the improvement is there. Really good to see Caleb Johnson break that that long run. He was a guy who wasn't even on the field in the Northwestern game a couple of weeks ago. Didn't play a lot against Rutgers. Uh, but we've always known has had that kind of game-breaking potential. And it was great to see that happen for him and obviously for the team and the program and the crowd at Kinnick and all of that. LeSean Williams is the workhorse and he's, he's been good at that, you know, has had better days than 16 carries 54 yards, but he's, he's worked himself into the kind of, again, the workhorse guy, the go-to guy uh, in that offensive running game. So you feel good about where the offense, you don't feel great about where the offense is, but this is an offense that can go into Lincoln and beat Nebraska. And it's an offense that if everything else is going well, if the rest of the game is perfect, you can compete with a Michigan and Ohio State. I'm not going to say you're going to beat those teams, but you cannot be embarrassed by those teams in two weeks in Indianapolis, especially again, if the defense does what it does and what the defense is doing is remarkable because they're not doing it the way they've done it the last few years. They're not scoring points. They're not getting turnovers at the clip that they have been. One of the more remarkable things about the Iowa defense over the last several seasons is how quickly they turn into an offense. Every interception felt like it could go back. Scoop and score fumbles, big, big turnovers at timely moments. This defense hasn't done that. They haven't gotten those. What they've done is tackle everybody, is hit you in the mouth. What guys like Jay Higgins have done, Jay Higgins, who sat behind NFL linebackers for a couple of seasons, bided his time, worked his tail off, waited for his opportunity, and all he has done is put together a season that I think is certainly worthy of contention for the biggest awards you can have, like first-team All-American, like Linebacker of the year in the Big Ten. We'll see if he gets those things. But his twelve another twelve tackles for him. He's been fantastic. Nick Jackson has been great. He started a little shaky, but he's been great. Jamari Harris has been really good after those first couple of games that he had to sit out due to the gambling thing. Deshaun Lee came in and played well in, you know, without Cooper DeGene. And yeah, this is a defense that just held Illinois, who scored 50 points the week before and has a pretty good offense. I mean, they only put up 13 points, but they moved the ball. And John Paddock is a good quarterback. 
And Isaiah Williams is a fantastic wide receiver. Casey Washington is a good wide receiver. And the defense without Cooper DeGene, without Noah Shannon, just did that to them. Has given up, what, two touchdowns in the last few games? Joe Evans had just a, an, an incredible game on several levels. The, the sack for the safety, obviously, was the point differential in this game. Safety's worth two points. Iowa won by two points. Boom. Those knockdowns, though, at the line at the end that secured the win. I mean, that's just, it's just great football is what it is. It's just great football. It's just guys who know what they're doing, who have been put in the right positions, who have been coached correctly, and who go out there and execute. And that's what this defense has done all season. That's what they continue to do. And it's just, it's so, so much fun to watch. I mean, Phil Parker is, is the Broyles Award winner going away. I heard Mike Halas from the Cedar Rapids Gazette said that I had 13 pass breakups on Saturday. 13. That's incredible. That's such a huge number. And for a team like Illinois who was trying to pass the ball, I just didn't allow it to happen. So it was, I mean, that was. How cool of a moment to have Caleb Johnson do what he did late in that game, to have the defense hold, and then you get to celebrate a division championship on Duke Slater Field at Kinnick Stadium with that crowd who's been so instrumental in these games this year, with the Ference family, all of the emotion pouring out, Brian Ference getting his, his moment, his final moments inside Kinnick Stadium as a coach, at least for now. Never say never. Um, getting the Gatorade bass, seeing the players and the emotion, the love they have for him. We we on the outside will never understand the uh, the brotherhood that is formed within a football season in the, in that locker room, in that program, starting from the off season all the way through the season and then multiple years on top of each other. And you saw a glimpse of what that means to the, to all everybody in that program on Saturday after that game between Kirk Ferentz and his emotions, bringing the cigar to the post game, taking like an hour to get to post game. Good. That's awesome. The hugs between the players and the Ferentz's, I mean, who didn't, which room didn't get a little dusty when Kirk and Brian embraced on the sideline there. Uh, seeing Phil Parker give Kirk the game ball in the locker room, the, the things that those two men have been together, the appreciation they must have for each other, the culmination that is a season like this and all of the adversity to get to where they just got. Kirk Ferentz being, you know, passing Bo Schembechler Be- Bo for third all-time in Big Ten wins. And he's a season away from passing Woody Hayes at number two. Um, the emotion was was incredible. And it's hard to not, again, you can be critical. And I've been critical. You've been critical. We'll all continue to be critical. This will all feel differently if you lose in Lincoln. It'll feel differently if you get embarrassed in Indianapolis. But it's good to have the moment. It's good to remember in the moment the appreciation that we should all have 
for these people who do this, you know, for our entertainment, who do a thing that means so much to us, whether or not it should, whether it's not, it's kind of silly that we get as wrapped up in this as we do. Um, it means so much to them. And you can be proud that Kirk Ferentz is your head football coach, that the Ferentz family is, has been leading this program for as long as they have. And again, whether or not Brian Ferentz was cut out for the job that he's had, he's given everything to this, this football program. I mean, he played there, he's coached there, he spent a lot of time there. Yes, he's gotten well compensated and... This is a two-way two way street, and he'll be just fine. Yeah, nothing terrible is happening to him. He's gone through far worse tragedies than being fired from a job. But it was just really cool to see how much all that meant to this team and this program and those guys. And to all of us, I don't know how you could watch that, how you could experience that and not feel that way. And as frustrating as some of these games have been in the moments to now look back at what this season has been so far, you can fully appreciate what they've gone through, how they've done this, and how they won the Big Ten West and are going to go play for a Big Ten championship. We're going to talk a little bit more about the big picture stuff and a big game this Friday coming up. So if you booked your hotel rooms to Indy, if you've bought your ticket, you feel good about that. If you uh, cashed in on some preseason futures bets on Iowa winning the Big Ten West the way that I have, you feel good about that. Your Iowa Hawkeyes are headed to Indianapolis playing for a Big Ten championship in a couple of weeks. We don't know who they'll play yet. It'll be the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game. I don't think it really matters which team it is. There's a part of you that wants to to beat Michigan because of how... They embarrassed us a couple of years ago, although there's probably a part of you that is worried that's going to happen again. Now, Ohio State embarrassed us in the regular season last year and, and is certainly capable of that, of that as well. The Michigan thing would be interesting because at, in the beginning of the season, it felt like, okay, if, if these two teams can get there, the storyline is going to be incredible with Cade McNamara and Eric Hall and, and everything going around it. And obviously, neither of those guys are going to be able to play in this game. And so that takes some of it out of it. That's that's too bad. That's a shame. Um, but do you care who you see on the other side of the ball? I really don't. Um, I, again, I think Iowa's odds of winning that game are low, regardless of who the opponent is, but not impossible. Does Iowa match up better with Michigan because Harbaugh likes to play that style a little more than Ryan Day, maybe. But does Iowa give Ohio State more of a challenge in preparation? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to let that happen, and we're going to take it as it comes. And we'll talk about that matchup when we know what it is. But it's all gravy for Iowa. And, yeah, you don't want to go there and get embarrassed. That feels bad. But I don't think this team's going to do that. And even if they do... You have to appreciate this season for for what it's been. Um, the Nebraska game is on Friday, and you know Kirk Ferentz said something late in his press conference, clearly joking about, "Well, hey, in the NFL, when they when they've clinched, they just rest all their starters. Maybe we should do that." That's not going to happen um, for a, a handful of reasons. Now, there may be guys who are questionable that you won't see. There may be guys who. 
uh, play less than they normally would because it's not a quote unquote important game to win for Iowa, but it is important on, on a bunch of different levels. Uh, one of those is just the fan base and the rivalry aspect of this game. Nebraska punked you last year. They did not allow you to win the big 10 West. It's Matt rules first season as Nebraska's head coach. You want to start this next chapter of this rivalry on good footing you want to beat Nebraska. You want to beat these teams, especially these teams that are you're going to continue these rivalries with moving on. It's it's great to beat Illinois, and I'm glad we did it, and they haven't won in Kinnick Stadium in, in over 20 years, but we don't play them the next two years. The next time we play Illinois, this game will be a distant memory. The next time we play Nebraska will be next Black Friday, and the one after that, and the one after that. And you probably live next to or work with or have family who are Nebraska fans, and... That's one of the great things about college football. It's one of the great things about Iowa's position within the college football landscape is we have these big regional rivalries that are important to us. Whether or not they're important for college football rankings or bowl positioning or any of that kind of stuff is irrelevant. It's important to us. And so it's important to win this game. It's important to keep this momentum going. I mean, it's another game for Deacon Hill to improve. It's another game for this offense to continue to gel to continue to find their chemistry because there are two important games, quote unquote, important games moving forward, the big 10 championship and whatever bowl game you get into. It's also important uh, because a 10 wins means something. It means something at Iowa to get 10 wins. It's not an easy thing to do regardless of the schedule, regardless of the circumstances it means something to win 10 games. A double digits wins in the regular season is rare and you can get there. It also potentially means something for bowl positioning uh, in that. Now, I don't think I was going to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. But in order to be in contention for that, you have to be ranked in the top 12 of the college football playoff rankings. Iowa was 16th last week. I haven't looked into what's happened ahead of them. Uh, but if you're going to move yourself into that position, you can't lose. A loss drops you significantly, especially a loss to a not very good Nebraska team that's better than they were a year ago, but still has trouble closing games, still isn't great. I watched a lot of that game against Wisconsin on Saturday night. I was staying with my aunt and uncle in Memphis who are Wisconsin fans. And I can't believe Nebraska didn't play play to win late in that game. They played for the field goal to tie it and send it to overtime where they ultimately lost. But Chubba Purdy looked pretty good, but not great. This is a team that is the opposite of Iowa when it comes to closing out games. And so uh, this is a, a but they, they now they have something to play for, right? They're five and six. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. Nobody on that in that program has been to a bowl game with Nebraska. They want that badly. That'd be a huge step for Matt Rule. A huge step for him to come in in year one after the debacle that was the Scott Frost era and get to a bowl game and to do so by beating Iowa, even though you can't take anything away from Iowa at this point like you did last season. To do that beating Iowa would be huge for them. So it's it's a big game for Nebraska. They, they want this win. And these rivalry games become fun when you're able to take something away from the other team. 
and Iowa can take away a bull from Nebraska, can can put a little hitch in the upward trajectory that seems to be with Matt Rule. And I say that not meaning Nebraska is going to go back to national championships, but a bowl game is would be a it, a bowl game is the first step. And if they can make that first step in the first season, that's really big for that program. So it is an important game against Nebraska. It's not the only, you know, it's not the end of the world if you lose, but it does really feel like if you lose, you're limping into the Big Ten championship game and you want to be flying into the Big Ten championship game. I mean, ideally, you win this game comfortably with an offense that looks really good. Within context, right? Relatively really good. You want Deacon Hill to look good again. You want the running game to look good. You want those receivers to be catching balls. They haven't dropped many balls lately like they were early on. And some of that was Deacon Hill and some of that was them. But that's kind of gone away and that's been great. And so you really want to go in Friday and get this win. Get your 10th win. Carry some momentum into that Big Ten championship game. And go shock the world. All right, just some other big picture stuff before we get out of here. Nine wins uh, it, it, with with a game yet to go. And again, should have been 10. If Cooper DeGene doesn't wave his arm, we're, we're looking at a 10-win team already with a game to go. Uh, it's, it's just, in context, incredible. If you were to say at the start of the season, I think I heard Ross Peterson and Travis Justice on WHO Radio sound off after the game talking about this. If you were, if you were to name the 10 most important players on Iowa's team coming into the season, you know, pre the Noah Shannon news, Noah Shannon, who was slated to go to the big 10 media days as a representative of this team because of what he meant to this team on and off the field. I would say five of those players aren't, aren't on the field anymore. Five of the top, what, seven, eight, nine, ten. Noah Shannon, probably maybe the least significant of those. But Cade McNamara was the reason there was hope for this season. Not the only reason, but the biggest reason. Getting him in the transfer portal in the offseason is a big reason why there was as much hope going into this year as there was. It's a big reason why I picked Iowa to win the Big Ten West and to have a good year. It's a big reason why Koenig Stadium was sold out before the season even began. He was gone in the first quarter of the second Big Ten game. Luke Lachey, who is an NFL tight end, and whether or not that means next year or the year after, we'll find out. But he was the best offensive player on the team. He's gone. By the way, you never had a healthy Cade McNamara. Eric All, who is also an NFL caliber tight end, and will be an NFL tight end. And who became the most important offensive player as soon as Luke Lachey went down. And who was Deacon Hill's really only successful target for a game and a half or whatever it was. He goes down. And despite all that, you put yourself in a position to go into this Illinois game feeling good about yourself. You felt good after that Rutgers game. And then last week... You lose the one guy you couldn't lose, Cooper DeGene. You lose the one guy whose injury almost single-handedly made you lose that game to Nebraska a year ago. The best player on your team. 
one of the best athletes in the Big Ten. A first-round NFL draft pick who means more to your team on special teams than he does on defense, and he might be the best defensive player in the Big Ten. You lose him. In the last real practice of the week on Wednesday. To regroup from all that, to, to deal with that, the adversity that comes with that. I talked earlier about Deacon Hill and just kind of the, the mentality that you have to have to walk into, step into the position he's been put into. For guys like Adam, Addison Ostranga to have to step into those shoes at tight end university where the last eight guys who have started at this position are now in the NFL or about to be in the NFL. To step into that role in that offense, you the the hyperbole just rolls off the tongue with some of this stuff because it's all warranted. Your Big Ten West champions, it's the last time there's going to be a Big Ten West champion. You get to go out with the crown. That's awesome. Now, maybe someday they'll revert back to divisions and you'll have a Big Ten West. But for now, this edition of the Big Ten West, you're the kings. And you did it in a year like this. And again, you could get into that top 12 and, and New Year's Six contention if you continue to win. If you beat Nebraska and you look good against either Ohio State or Michigan, you put a scare in them. It's a game in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, the whole country, which has probably written this game off, is glued to their TV. Can Iowa find a way to do this? You never know. You never know what happens. Iowa's probably not going to be picked in a bowl over the loser of that game because the winner of Ohio State-Michigan will be likely headed to the college football playoff after hopefully a close win or maybe even a loss to Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. But, you know... Let's play this out. The winner probably goes to the the college football playoff. The loser probably goes to New Year's Six. And Penn State is going to be picked ahead of Iowa in in a bowl contention. So you're probably not looking at a New Year's Six game, but that's okay. You're probably looking at uh, whatever they call the Capital One Citrus and Outback Gator, I think. You're looking at one of those games, likely. We'll, We'll... We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Anyway, these are these are just big picture things. You're going to have a fun bowl game. You're going to get to go somewhere warm if you want to to follow this team. And man, I hope a lot of people do because they deserve to be celebrated. They, they've deserved to be criticized. And we've done that. They also deserve to be celebrated. And it's time for us to do that for a little while. Kirk Ferentz is your coach of the year in the Big Ten. I don't know how he doesn't get it. Maybe if they crap the bed against Nebraska and look really bad in the Big Ten championship game. Although I I wonder if they hand that award out before the Big Ten championship game. Part of me thinks that happens next week along with all the other conference awards. But regardless, Jim Harbaugh's not getting it. He was He's ultimately going to be suspended for six of the 12 regular season games that Michigan has played this year. He's not the coach of the year. Ryan Day would be in contention. Um, And going undefeated is difficult regardless of how many five stars you have, how expected it is of you at Ohio State. It's still an accomplishment. It's still a great coaching job. He'd be in contention. And then Braun from Northwestern is certainly in contention. I mean, took a took a a crater of a program 
that was one in 11 last season and lost its second longest tenured in the country head coach in July. Took that team, that program, and put them into a bowl game. It's incredible what he's done. Not as incredible, though, as what Kirk Ferentz has done. I think he'll get the award. I think he deserves the award, and I think it's going to be so sweet for him. Going to be so sweet for him because just the way everything went down this year, and especially with Brian Ferentz, and we'll get to that here now. I've seen a lot of people. I can't tell if it's all, you know, on social media, it's hard to, to get tone. So in context, maybe a lot of it is, is jokey or tongue in cheek, facetious, sarcastic. But there's been a lot of, you know, bring Brian back. Beth gets made the wrong decision. I don't agree with that at all. The offense is improving. Brian Ferentz has called a couple of good games. This is still a below average offense. It's still below average scheme. They've still been way far below average at recruiting and developing quarterbacks. A change needed to happen. And this is why it was so important that it happened when it did. Because you can't fire. You couldn't fire Brian Ferentz right now, I don't think. And it's going to be hard to fire him at the end of the season if Iowa is, you know, an 11 and three team coming off a bowl win and an appearance in the Big Ten championship game. But you could fire him after that Minnesota game. And credit to Brian for being a lame duck coach who still put everything he had into this and continued to help these guys improve and call good games and improve himself. He's a good football coach. He will find a landing spot. He will be a good football coach moving forward. It's good that that's not going to be at the University of Iowa and certainly not as offensive coordinator. It needed to happen. Beth Getz made a power move in making it happen. And it'd be hard to do it now, especially after the emotional scene that took place on the sidelines at Kinnick Stadium on Saturday night. So I'm very glad it has happened. But I'm also very happy for Brian Ferentz that he gets to go out like this. I'm happy that they get to kind of write this storybook ending for his career at Iowa, that Kirk is able to, you know, even if he always holds on to a little resentment, even if he's always like, yeah, see, see, told you. That's okay. That's fine. Because I do believe that he is coming back. I've seen some of that speculation too. He was so emotional. Maybe a couple of weeks ago when he talked about coming back, he was in the moment and, and, you know, not being completely honest with himself and, you know, never say never again. Who knows what will happen? Um, but he, I, you know, it's, it's okay that he can hold on to that a little bit. Now I hope he doesn't hold on to it so much that he holds on to the offense because it's time for a change, not just in coaching, not just in like who, you know, figurehead, but it's time for a schematic change, a recruiting change, a philosophical change. And we'll see, you know, I've heard people being not optimistic about that. I tend to be an optimistic person, as you probably know, if you listen to this podcast. And so I'm hopeful that things are going to get better. But man, they're pretty good right now, aren't they? 
pretty good right now. This Hawkeye football team headed to Indianapolis to play in the Big Ten Championship game. Before that, some business to take care of in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm going to talk to my buddy, Caleb Henry, uh, who works in Lincoln, covers Nebraska. He's been on this podcast a few times before. I'm going to talk to him about that game coming up later this week on the Opposition Research Podcast. We've got all this covered along with basketball, which is starting to heat up. The, the Iowa women looked good again on Sunday after that disappointing loss to Kansas State last week. It's all covered at HawkeyeNation.com, as it always is. We're going to have some fun here moving forward. We hope you're along for the ride. I appreciate you listening, and go Hawks! Go Hawks!